It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app on this, what day are we? Tuesday? It's a Tuesday. No, it's actually the day after Monday, Craig. Oh, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, yep. Don't do that to me. Sorry. Don't confuse me. <laughs> How could I forget what today is? I can forget what day of the week it is. I'm focused on the fact that it's Rachel's birthday today, so happy birthday to my wife. First lady of the Hoffman Show, occasional producer, segment producer of the Hoffman Show. Yep. Uh, amongst her many skills. Uh, so today, for the show as well. Yes, she has cooked for the show. She's brought cake to the show. She's brought shenanigans to the show. Yes. Remember my birthday? Yes. And those glasses. Do you still have those glasses? Do they no. make the trip over from the old apartment to the new? Oh, they must have just gotten caught up in the wash. <laughs> I uh, I was scrolling back through my Instagram today to try to find some some stuff, and uh, I I saw those that video, and I was like, wow, what a silly goose I am. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you know what? For the sake of entertainment, these are the things we do. Uh, coming up on the show today, Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, that Kyle Kuzma, fresh off his 32-point performance last night in Detroit. Wizards get a win, their third of the season. The Pistons are so bad. Um, but the Wiz, nice little win. He also did some pretty cool charity work while he was back home in Michigan. So we will talk to uh, Kyle coming up at 5.30 today. Yeah, 5.30. Linnell in studio at 5 o'clock for overreaction Tuesday. But, Anthony, you know the drill. It is a vibe check Tuesday. So we must take the pulse of the fan base. Uh, and really, I'm hoping today we don't find out that there is no pulse. Because we, we plan an hour of this and if y'all don't call, I don't know what we're going to do. So, do you have a pulse? 301-230-0980. But I'm not going to lie, Anthony. I've kind of shifted gears, and I'm a little bit excited for these final five weeks. More so the final four than this weekend. This weekend might be a massacre. But I've, like, totally mind-shifted. To Maybe it's to trick myself. Perhaps it is self-preservation. Because we have to do this show every day. This is our job. There yep. are much harder jobs. Um, it sure beats, frankly, anything outside right now. It's so cold out. Um, and, and, it, and it beats many other jobs uh, that, are, that are not talking about sports. But this is not going to be an easy month of content for us as we try to provide and prescribe meaning to a football team that has uh, is, is just got to play out the schedule until all of the things that we know are ultimately going to happen, uh, front office changes, coaching changes, etc., happen. And I am kind of excited about it because I actually like think there's some opportunity to do some real evaluation. And I think this change of defensive coordinator opens up that vault a little bit. Um, I think that where you need to find out who can play and who can't, and there's obviously some contractual stuff that is going to come into play as well. And, you know, we'll highlight some of those things. You know, I, I think there's this this uh, very fan-driven narrative right now of everyone's on the table. But, for instance, if we go to the contract status of Deron Payne. Let me, uh, let me pull up Deron Payne's contract real quick. Deron Payne contract because he signed it this year. Uh, which means he got a big, gigantic bonus, uh, and and a lot of that money is going to hit next year. If you trade him this offseason, 
there's like $46 million of dead cat money. And there's some of that that perhaps would go to the new team. But um, at the very least, you have the prorated signing bonus. So like 20, 20 million of that by doing my quick math. And again, this is the Hoffman show where we don't do very much math. But uh, $5.6 million a year in signing bonus proration uh, over the next five years means that, or the next four years, uh, is $20 million, $21, 22000000 million once you add in, it's five point six. So point, point being, like, you can't just be like, oh, we got a good offer for Deron Payne. Let's trade him. Like, I would need probably two firsts to get off of Deron Payne because – I'm going to have a lot of dead cap money and I'm giving up a great player. So it's not just like, Oh, well, Deron paying this. It's like, no, there's, there's extra factors on top of just, can the guy play or not? Um, but by the same token, offensively, like there's a lot to figure out. There is a lot of uh, role stuff to figure out. Like what positions are you really trying to add at all around? And for those reasons, I'm excited to see what we can see these next couple of weeks. So uh, that's where I'm at, and we got a couple of calls already lined up. Should we take one now, or should we? Uh, should I get uh, you know say one more thing real quick, and then then take one after the break? Uh, you can take one. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to Jim on line one. Uh, he's on the Ace Law listener line three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty. All right, Jim, what's up? Get us started on this vibe check Tuesday. As soon as I was about to put Jim on, he uh, dropped. I'm not sure if he got nervous. I'm not sure what happened. I'm going to say Jim's a Jim's a strong fella whose phone betrayed him. That's Possibly. the story I'm going to invent about Jim. Yep. Let's try JT. Uh, let's go to JT on line two. JT, you get us started on this Vibe Check Tuesday. What's up, fellas? What's up, JT? What? I'm good, man. Uh, the, the vibe right now is, uh, I mean, I'm... Number one, coming off Thursday's loss, it's uh, definitely disappointing and embarrassed, especially with them getting turkey, you know, before the game was even over. But uh, at, at the same time, uh, excited, sort of what you just said in terms of being in that whole evaluation process, uh, number one, seeing uh, what we have seen. I, I think Sam has shown a lot, but uh, like I was told, telling a couple of my boys, I'm, I, I'm still open to us selecting a, a quarterback, and I, I think – we get one of those top three picks uh there's no reason why you know all options shouldn't be on the table and i I feel that if they feel may or caleb caleb williams are better options than sam then that that puts us in a position where we could trade sam uh for additional picks potentially uh plus i mean just i mean draft time is always kind of fun and uh it's also kind of fun to see exactly who we'll get as a head coach and uh, as a general manager as well. So um, disappointing, you know, another season down the drain, but excited of what's to come with a new ownership group. JT, thanks for the call. I mean, I I agree with that. Like, with the new ownership group, it does. that's the difference between now and, you know, 2019, let's say. It's like, oh, you're just going to hire another probably suboptimal GM and another suboptimal coach. Turns out they did. The same in one, kind of, you know, they may, they gave uh, Ron all the, all the power and it was like, okay, well, we got a guy who's never had this much power before and a guy who's not really been that great of a head coach. Cool. 
And that was as good as you're going to get because, Dan, now you could be the most attractive spot on the uh, on on the board. I mean, the Chargers and the Bears are going to be very, very attractive spots, especially uh, if, you know, the whatever coach thinks that Caleb Williams is, you know, what a lot of people think Caleb Williams is. Um, then the Bears become super attractive uh, because you have the chance to to get with that guy and uh, be his coach and and hopefully take him to to new heights um, or to to great heights. Uh, obviously, you've got Herbert locked up in in L.A. That's a pretty good deal. But here, I think you have the best ownership situation, which is super important. You have a ton of assets. You either have Sam the ability to trade Sam uh, and a top three to seven pick. Um, and so I think there's just, there's just a, a really good chance to do something special here. And you have a lot of talent because this team, I mean, that is the thing about a team that's underperformed is the talent stays. Um, and you know, some of these guys are going to be free agents and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I think that that's something that we need to kind of get our arms around is who's definitely staying and who's definitely going. But there's, there's a lot of potential here and, and getting through these next couple of weeks is going to be made easier by thinking about the potential of what's to come down the road. 301-230-0980. A couple of calls uh, in in the queue, if you will. A uh, couple of lines still open. So go ahead and give us a ring on this Vibe Check Tuesday. We're talking to you on the Ace Law listener line next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Anthony, I might have fallen off in telling people that they can stream the show live on YouTube recently because I got a YouTube comment the other day. Um, actually, no, it was on the station. It was on 980's page. Uh, like, how come I didn't know the station had a YouTube page? I was like, I don't know. We say it literally every day. We every day. live the whole show every day. On YouTube. So uh, if that's something that's new information to you, guess what? You got show highlights. You got the live show. You got all kinds of stuff on YouTube. You got 60-second recaps from Denton Day. You got pregame Wizards locker room content from Linnell. There's all kinds of stuff on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to us at the Team 980. We continue on this Vibe Check Tuesday on the Ace Law listener line, 301-230-0980. If you're in a wreck, Ace Law helps you get a check. Call 8888-ACE-LAW. Uh, let's continue the calls with Greg in Gaithersburg. Greg, thanks for calling. You are on the Hoffman Show. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the call. You know, I think with the changes we had, we got to, you know, we are talking about the draft. You know, quarterback to me is not a priority. Uh, Sam's young. He's solid. He may not be a Hall of Famer. He may not be a franchise guy, but he's solid for right now. He'd be a lot better if he had better protection. Uh, play calling, to me, is a little up and down. don't like some of the play calls. But, again, EB is new. I mean, he's dealing with new people. They're, you know, they're adjusting game plans to the talent that he has to work with. It's not like Kansas City where he had a Mahomes and – and, uh, and those guys were, you know, had top-notch players. So he has to have time, too. we got to focus on getting some beef up front. I mean, these guys, whenever you see defense, offensive linemen from other teams, these guys are huge. Our guys, you know, look like they're a JV squad out of high school. So, you know, it takes a little bit of time. People got to be a little bit patient. You know, I remember when 
and Otto Graham was our coach. And then we had George Allen and, and, and people like that. And, yeah, we won Super Bowls, but that didn't happen overnight either. So people, got, they have to have a little patience with these guys, and I think it'll work out great. All right, Greg, uh, thanks, thanks for the call. Um, Anthony, I've heard a lot of uh, criticisms of the offensive line. I haven't, I haven't heard small. Yeah, I haven't heard uh, look like a JV squad. Um, Chris Paul is 6'4", 324. Let's see. Uh, Sam Cosme. Oh, could they put these in alphabetical order? What are we doing? Oh, they're in alphabetical order. Okay, there we go. Cosme is 6'6", 309. So I guess they're not. Neither dude's 330. But... They're uh they're big dudes. Tyler Larson's like three thirty. That dude is huge. Yeah. Um now Nick Gates wasn't very big. Um the problem is they don't know how to pick up a stunt or a game to save their life. Yeah, Larson's six four, three thirty five. The problem is they communicate terribly, um, and that they, they, they don't pass stuff off and they're often not really seem to set up in successful positions in the run game and I hate the run scheme so much and yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I will say one one conversation that I think is interesting, um, been having this with with a couple of people, um, is Eric Bieniemy is a first year play caller, and I think sometimes like we we say that and then don't actually think about what that means. And the thing with Eric is like he's going to be better next year wherever he is than he was this year. Because he's going to go back in the offseason, he's going to learn uh, and self-scout and hopefully improve on, on the things that he struggled with this year at times. And some of that is personnel-related. Um, you know, if I was a team with stud tight ends, I would consider EB for sure. Um, but going back to the, the first main point of, the, of Greg's call that I actually think is um, worth flushing out a little bit more is I also agree that quarterback is not a priority, but it is the ultimate if you have – a top guy you should take at position. So let's say they lose out and they wind up with a third pick. And, you know, obviously Chicago is going to take Caleb Williams one or Drake May one. And let's say whoever winds up two is like, yeah, we want Marvin Harrison. Like we have our core, we drafted our quarterback last year or whatever it may be. And it's a team that for whatever reason is not in the quarterback market. Um, which, considering the other team, it's right now Carolina is the worst record. New England's next, and both those teams are quarterback needy. But I don't know. Maybe the Patriots go on a little winning streak here. Um, doesn't you know? Who knows? Maybe Carolina plays better without Reich. Um, point is, let's say, and, and that costs Chicago. Obviously, let's say, or Chicago's like, you know what? If we get Marvin Harrison, we we're, we're set because we can get more out of Justin Fields. We still believe in it. Um, and so if that's the case and they want to build around him and maybe they even trade down and be like, yeah, sure. Someone trade up. I guess at that point they'd be trading up for quarterback point is if, if one of the guys who's at the top of this draft, you think is a hall of famer, at quarterback, you have to take him unless you think Sam is also a hall of famer. If not, I personally would not take another quarterback and I have not done the QB evals to, to know who is and isn't at that threshold. So this isn't me advocating for keeping Sam over, you know, Caleb Williams and Drake may, or just those two are the exception or whatever. I don't know who, where that line is yet. 
I haven't done the evals. I haven't read enough stuff. I haven't watched basically any of these guys. So I'm not advocating any specific thing. Other than Sam Howell's very good right now. And if you look at the last two drafts, there's two, maybe three guys you can make a case for that are better than Sam in the last two drafts at the quarterback position. Obviously, C.J. Stroud is better. And for the people that do not want to agree with that because they think Sam is somehow better than C.J. Stroud, please never get in a position where you get to evaluate quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud, better player, done and done. The two guys that are then more debatable are Brock Purdy, who's in system heaven, but has executed that system at as high of a level as basically anyone has since Kyle's been there. And like his big time throw numbers are one of the few guys that, that actually like rivals Sam, like Brock will make some throws. Now they're often pretty easy compared, you know, based off of this great play action and this great design. And he's got a great old line. And like, I'm not saying his job's not way easier than Sam's down in, down out, but like he's pretty good at maximizing it. And the points are there. Um, obviously in that they're scoring 30 a game on a regular basis. But Brock Purdy, I would say, has probably been better and more consistent than Howell over the last couple of years. He's had like one or two genuinely bad games, a couple of like not great games, but plenty of like, oh, Brock Purdy threw for 330 and everyone wonders if he's good games. The other guy's Kenny Pickett. And I know that sounds crazy, but his PFF grade is higher than Sam's the last couple of years. Um, now, some of that is Sam's had a couple of really, really bad games that bring down his grade, um, such as the Buffalo game, right? And from a production standpoint, a game like the Dallas game turns out to be pretty crappy. Um, So Sam, I would take Sam over Kenny Pickett in a heartbeat, but he's the only guy that even gets to get mentioned in the discussion. Every other quarterback who has uh, been drafted in the last two years, definitively worse right now than Sam Howell. The one guy who gets an asterisk is Anthony Richardson because of injury, but he has, one, had a long injury history at Florida, hasn't played a lot, um, and then got hurt multiple times this year. Uh, same injury, re- getting re-injured, um, but you know we don't really know what he is. So if you're, if you're banking on one of these guys that's not an A-plus prospect being better than Sam Howell, like, you are crapshooting this. And that's also why, for me, like Ben Johnson's the guy that I would want as head coach. Because you take a a head coach or an offensive coordinator who took Jared Goff and elevated him from a guy that Sean McVay couldn't win with to or didn't feel like he could win a Super Bowl with to a team that is, what, now 16-5 and in their last 21 games? That's, That's good coaching right there. So at the end of the day, I think the commanders, you know, whoever winds up being in charge here, head coach, OC, uh, GM, they need to seriously think about what they're doing at quarterback. Because if you all of a sudden give Sam a better offensive line, an easier job down in, down out schematically, uh, more support from the run game, and a defense that makes the offense feel less desperate in terms of needing to score and another year of experience and another year of chemistry with Dotson and McLaren and, and you know, who, whoever else winds up staying, I think you're, you're looking at a pretty good situation and you can use those top draft picks 
to beef up the rest of your roster as opposed to saying, like, we got to take quarterback and then you're down one pick, uh, especially on a roster that is depleted of elite players. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. All right, we got a couple of calls on deck. We will get to those immediately following the break, but we do have some lines open, so give us a buzz on this Vibe Check Tuesday, 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 in the free, free, he said, Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Anthony, did you see today that Two Chains is coming to D.C.? I think it's April 5th uh, for a Wizards postgame concert. Oh, man. So all you got to do is go to the game, and then you get a free 2 Chains concert after. Dang. Which is crazy. I can't believe they got 2 Chains to do that. I know. Because I feel like 2 Chains could be like, I'm going to Capital One Arena, and he would sell it out. Easily. Like, yeah, no, but he, dude loves hoop. So he used to hoop. The concert series. He did. Uh, it's funny, Clinton, I don't know what, I haven't read the text message yet, but I'm name dropping, and he's going to be on the show tomorrow anyway. Uh, but Clinton just texted me. Clinton did a big uh, E60 piece on 2 Chains in his high school basketball career a couple years ago. Oh, wow. Um, it was very, very good. You got to hang out with him. Um, and now every time 2 Chains comes on, Rachel is like, 2 Chains, Clinton knows him. It's just <laughs> kind of a funny uh, inside joke. Yeah. It's not really inside or a joke. It's true. Mm-hmm. Clinton, Clinton got to spend some time with 2 Chains. Maybe we'll talk about that on the show tomorrow. Possibly. Maybe we won't. Uh, I know Yates has some stuff on, on Del Rio, so we'll talk about that tomorrow uh right now though we talk to you 301-230-0980 it's the ace law listener line if you're in a wreck ace law helps you get a check call 8888 ace law let's go to i feel we had greg and gaithersburg ant now we got lee and laurel i feel like these are fake names but we're gonna go to lee and laurel uh lee thanks for calling you're on the hoffman show hey how's it going going well man appreciate it yeah, I just wanted to kind of piggyback on what uh, piggyback on what Greg said. We definitely don't need quarterback. It's not our biggest priority. Um, I think we should be looking at trying to trade down and get multiple picks instead of trying to uh, raid the top spots on, on, on the draft board. But you know, yeah. uh, you know, obviously GM is going to be our biggest uh, acquisition, and then. Uh, head coach. So that's just my two cents, man. I'll leave it to you guys. Thanks. All right, Lee. Thanks for the call. Um, I hadn't really thought of the trade down thing yet because, like, I don't want to turn this into, like, look, the season's going to end January, what, 7th, I think, something like that, uh, is the last game, January 8th. Um, and then And then we're going to talk about the draft until damn near May. We're going to have time to preview draft stuff. I think it's imperative that with their first pick, whenever that is, they get an elite player. They will not, in the Ron Rivera era, ever have a different guy than when he got here be the best player on the team. When he got here, it was either John Allen or Terry McLaurin, and when he leaves, it will be John Allen or Terry McLaurin. That's inexcusable. And those guys are real good, but there is a level above each of them where if you had the actual best player at your at a position. And by the way, you know, one of the things that we've talked about is like how good is this roster and the youth on it. And something I want to do at six o'clock is looking at a list that ESPN just put out of they, they called it the all youngster team. And they did two deep. So uh, 44 players, 22 players, uh, of course, 11 on each side of the ball. And you go two deep. That's 22 uh, first team, 22 second team, 44 players. 
And I have to look at the second team, but on the first team, there wasn't a single commander. So, like, you don't have any of the best young players in the sport, despite the fact that your team is, like, all young players. That's not good. And I know they've been in some tough draft spots because they've been stuck in the middle of the first round. But, like, other teams get lucky. And it's not like the good team. Like, the 49ers have have players on that list. They weren't necessarily first-round picks. Like, Tafunga, the safety. He's on the list. Commanders have drafted him. If I'm remembering correctly, yeah. So, I, I think that that's the that's the really frustrating part about this is, you know, is the team in a better position now than when he got here? Sure. But a lot of that positioning is going to have to do with draft capital and, and cap space as opposed to, Hey, he actually like thoroughly improved the 53 situation. Uh, 301-230-0980 back to the ACE all listener line. We go on this five check Tuesday. Let's go to our guy, Saeed, at Upper Marlboro. Saeed, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, good, good. Question for you. Okay. I, I'm really, like, when people when people talk about Sam and they talk about Dotson and they talk about all these young players, I personally, I don't think that Rivera has ever, he doesn't have a resume that shows he's ever been able to develop a talent from good to great or great to best. He's never shown uh, Scott Turner before, you know, with the offensive coordinator, has never shown he's been able to do that. Maybe his dad did, but he didn't. Uh, you know, Del Rio has never shown that he can take good and make it great uh, or better, make it best. They, they don't have any resume. In fact, they don't even have a resume with developing coaches underneath them to, be, to go from good to better, better, best, and all that. So my question is, how can we talk about what we what we know we have? Like you mentioned, C.J. Stroud, he's better. Like, yeah, sure, production-wise, stats-wise, maybe some of the intangibles you see, he might be better. But how do we know what we have if the people who are paid to coach them put them in the right spot, draw up the right schemes? They've never shown the ability to develop that. So right. I don't even know. Like, if if you were to take yeah. Sam Howe right now, and and let's go crazy, let's put him on the Chiefs. Are you saying that he's going to produce the exact same under Andy Reid, under Matt Nagy, and those guys? I don't think so. I feel like he'll learn more. I feel like he'll have more experience. Of course. So how do you know going into the draft next year? Like you're saying, if we get top four, top five, top six pick, how do you know what you have? Maybe let's say in in Sam Howe, if I don't want to go too far and call him incompetent. You know, I'm trying to be respectful, but like I have no faith in these guys taking a guy off the street that is a third round and making him play like he's a two or a five, making a play no, like I, he's a four. I hear you, Saeed. So and I'm just, a, I'm yeah. really in a tough spot there. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the sentiment. It's something that I've started to talk about because I think that we have swung too far in the narrative. The narrative has swung too far that this is an untalented roster. And I don't believe that that's the case. Um, and the short answer is I don't, um, the longer answer is that's why scouts get paid. Like it is on the job of the scouts to be able to, and especially when you're an in-house scout, right? Like, so you're a new GM, you come in, you've watched tape, but now you start watching tape with guys or you interview them and you get to know your roster and you can be like, Hey, what happened on this play? And the player might be like, 
they told me to do this and then they told me to do that. And I was confused. So I tried to do this thing, but it actually was that. And they didn't prepare us for that. Like if it's a bunch of stuff where you're like, wow, these guys were coached like crap. Um, I really like this player coming out. And in certain situations, I see physical gifts that I think that schematically we can repeat. Then that's a player that's very useful. Um, I think the irony of what you said though, Saeed is Ron Rivera does have that track record earlier in Carolina. He didn't apply any of those skills here in Carolina. He had Luke Keekley, who might be the best middle linebacker of all time. Um, and Luke was probably going to be that anywhere, but he was that under, under Ron, uh, defensively. And yeah, by the yeah. way, coach wise, Sean McDermott, who's done a hell of a job in Buffalo and was under Ron for a long time in Carolina. He also had Starla Tulele and, and some other talented defensive linemen. He had Josh Norman, the oh, best that saying, Josh had were, yeah. were there. Yeah, I'm not the problem saying is that he like never they had came here. The problem is they came here is, and like, they didn't install the same system. Ron has been very hands-off. Like, Ron, some of the things that he did well previously in San Diego, in Chicago, in Carolina, he didn't even bother trying here. Um, and I think that's what's really disappointing about his tenure um, amongst a zillion other things is, and why I'm intrigued over the next couple of weeks is, like, can he find a simpler system that cleans up the mental side for guys and allows them to shine? But at the end of the day, like, GM, assistant GM, your pro scouts, like they're going to have to have, and your new coaching staff is going to have to make these decisions based off of what they've seen from these players and take their best guess. Because I agree, schematically, they have not been maximized at all. Um, as for Sam, like, you know, you're going to have to make a determination. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people are going to come in with bias. They're going to come in and say, what did I think of him coming out of college? And that's going to color what they thought. I mean, I guess the good news is a lot of offensive coaches really liked him coming out of college. Um, and so we'll see. You know, How does he fit? What are the things he does well? What are the things he doesn't? How does that fit with the current scheme? Um, and, and the other thing, the last point I'll make on this, because this is a topic we're going to talk about a lot. And so... Uh, there will be plenty of more time to, I think, discuss this is there's no such thing as like a scheme agnostic evaluation. Everything is about how does this player fit for me? I don't care if a player is the best nose tackle of all time. If I play a four, three and I need him to play a one, a shade, a, a one technique. And like when a dude's, when, when it's a different position, he's not as good. He's just like an average, average one technique, average shade but he's a Hall of Fame nose tackle. It doesn't help me if I don't play him at nose tackle. And so um, that's just an oversimplified example. But, you know, we talk about, oh, well, what would he be in San Francisco? What would he be in Kansas City? I don't care. I care about how they'll be here. And we don't even know what that's going to look like yet. So it's hard to make that adjustment. And so, like, to wrap this up, a guy like Benjamin St. Juice, if I'm going to play a Superman heavy or a Kendall Fuller, if I'm going to play a Superman heavy scheme – I've seen what's happened to them in man-to-man -man coverage this year. I probably want new corners. If I'm going to play a ton of zone, I might be a little bit more interested. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Wrap up Vibe Check Tuesday next, the first hour of our Tuesday show, with your calls, 301-230-0980, that Ace Law listener line wide open for you. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Uh, let's go back to the phones on this Vibe Check Tuesday. How are you feeling about the Commanders now and moving forward? 
301-230-0980 for Linnell Hobson Studio. And Vibe Check Tuesday goes to Overreaction Tuesday at 5 p.m. Again, Kyle Kuzma joins us at 5.30. Uh, let's go to Harry. Harry, thanks for calling. You are on the Hoffman Show. How you doing this evening? Doing well. All right. My thoughts haven't changed. Two years ago, I called in. To, I don't remember who it was. And I told him, I said, we, we probably got the worst back seven on defense at, in the league. And I still feel we do. Um, I, I just don't get how we can't find somebody to play defensive back and get some kind of linebacker with some kind of consistency. And as far as the offensive line, I don't think there's one of the starters that I would really bank on being somebody I can depend on in the future. Right now, I don't see it. I don't. So, Harry, it. let me ask you. Let me ask you a question, Harry. How much NFL football right. do you watch outside of the Commanders? I watch a ton. I bet everything, man. I'm always into it. Okay. Totally into it. How do you totally. do when you bet? I do real good, man. Okay. Real good. That's great. I'm very happy for you, but it's a good thing you're betting on scores and not talent. Because if you don't think there's another offensive lineman on this team that is, like, starting caliber, then, like, I'm sorry. You're just, like, it's it's hyperbolic. Tell me who who it is, man. Sam Cosby. I'll listen to Okay. Next. Uh, I think Charles Leno is a starting caliber. He's not a great starter, but Charles Leno is a starting caliber player. Tyler Larson is – what was that? Starting to get a little thin after you go Cosby. I'm not not telling you that it's a great line. I'm just telling you it's, it's, you know, maybe slightly below average. Some games it's definitely been worse. Uh, But, like, line play around the league is quantifiable in a lot of different ways, and the metrics just tell you that it's not awful. It's not well, let, good. Let, let me, they should let, upgrade let me, in a lot of me, places. Also, defensively, like, Jamin Davis is a solid football player. Um, Cam Curl's a pretty okay. good football player. The things they're being asked to do by bad coaching staffs Cam, Cam, are ridiculous. Okay. I'll go, with part of, I'll go with part of that statement you just made, the coaching staff. But Cam Curl hadn't done anything since that first year when he – nothing that impressed me beyond – point of wow well look what we got you, that's not that's a one of the that, areas where i think he can back. prove is like being a, a a ball hawking playmaker but like that doesn't mean he's not very solid he executes his assignments with regularity at an extremely proficient rate and last year by the way he did it even better uh and to the point that i think pff wound up grading him out as their second best safety in the entire league last year uh, that's that's hard to swallow there uh, but anyway, I, 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 I'll give you credit on one statement you made, and I was going to follow it up to is the fact that in this system, in this current coaching staff, these guys don't look good. They don't. They look yes. terrible. And, that, and if, you can, if you say that's not true, then you need to check yourself, man. No, I, and that's what I've been saying nonstop. Like the, the, the fact yeah. is – they're dead last in points against, uh, and they're, I think they, they finished the, somehow they gave up a zillion lar- yards to the Cowboys and g- went up in the rankings, uh, in terms of yards per game. Uh, they're now sitting 29th in yards per game, uh, and they're bottom five in defensive DVOA. So advanced metric, basic metrics, like, no, they're terrible defensively, and I've been saying that for weeks. 
So, yeah. like, that's – but I, it's, it's the reason point, why that point. we that, – that I think is important to suss out. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not going to point my finger at the defensive line or the trades. Honestly, I think the trades were probably for the best. I hated to see Sweat go, but Chase sure. Young, what's he been, a cheerle- cheerleader for three years. You know, so uh, right. Chase Young's no loss to me. All right, but, uh, uh, Harry, thanks, thanks for the call. Think, I, um, yeah. Always good, Anthony. Those are my favorites when people call in and tell you things that you've been saying for months. Like, I appreciate Harry calling in. I'm glad that he apparently calls in every couple of years. Um, I just say that, you know, let's – Let's listen in between the calls in every two years, you know? Yeah. Was I too I'm, mean there? Nah, I, I, I agree. I, I agree. just, like, this is the thing. So, like, there's a play. We talk about this on Take Command. And um, there's a play that Jamin Davis is, uh, can I do that? Let me see if I can get this succinctly described on the radio. Um, so there are four players to the, the left side of the formation that are eligible receivers and one to the right. You have uh, a halfback, a fullback, a tight end, and a wide receiver that are all aligned left. Uh, you have a single receiver to the right. Jamin is obviously on the right um, because he's the weak side linebacker, right? So a strong side left, uh, defensive left uh, is Jamin slash the offensive right. And every team in the league runs a similar concept where they run a slant to that backside window. And part of the reason is when it's four week, your eyes as a weak side linebacker are to go to where the four players are. And so you, you do something to get the eyes there, move the linebacker out of the window, and bang, throw the slant behind it. And sure enough, the Cowboys hit it. And then you, you start to hear that like they're mad at Jamin because – he didn't pick off the slant and it's like, okay, well, what do you, what happens when they throw something to the strong side and, or, you know, throw a check down to the back and he's late. Are you going to yell at him then too? You know, if you're, if, if you're coaching, here's another great example. Um, the touchdown that Percy Butler gives up, right? The Brandon cooks touchdown. Uh, everyone remembers seeing it where it's like, where's Percy Butler going? Um, the concept is called jolt. Um, it's one that every team in the league runs. It's like this little half roll, and on the back side of it, a lot of teams run a corner off of it. So Dak fakes a handoff to the right, rolls back, or sorry, fakes a handoff to the left, rolls back to his right, Cooks is lined up on the right side, and often it's like vertical stem and then go to the corner. And so Butler, it would seem intelligently, jumps the corner because if that's what he's coached to do, Okay, he did his job. The problem is Cooks runs a post. And Dak throws a post and it's wide buck naked open because Percy jumped the corner. And, you know, obviously St. Just uh, is is screwed as the, the DB on that because he's expecting that. He's like, I'm under the corner. I need you to protect the post. And so both of them look like they're, they don't know how to play football. And is that on them? Maybe. But I could also very easily see it being a coaching thing where Visselmeyer was like, hey, man, if, if this in this formation, they love to run this thing, and you better jump that corner because you're going to have yourself a pick. And Percy's like, all right. And they run a post instead of a corner, and it gives up a touchdown. 
So if if there's better coaching and it's like, hey, you need to play this this way, be ready for the corner, but make sure you take away the post, that's very different than, hey, bro, jump the corner. And so I don't know how it's coached. That's not me. I'm not reporting that. I'm just hypothesizing based off of watching the tape and talking it over with Logan, uh, which you know you guys can hear on Take Command. That's actually out now. Uh, we decided to release the film review a day early because y'all been waiting on it since Thursday. Um, but those are the kinds of things where it's like, it feels like, oh, yeah, if this play happens, we want you to do this. And then that, uh, the, the counter to that happens, and then they're like, well, why didn't you have it covered? And it's like, well, you told me to do the other thing. And it just feels like when you watch tape, guys are stuck in these in-between bad positions all the time. So, you know, when Harry calls in and is like, our back seven's terrible, I'm like, is it? I don't know. I know they're playing terrible, but there's a difference between playing terrible and being terrible. And that's what we don't know at this time. Are they playing terrible or are they terrible? And hopefully the simplifications that Rivera puts on this defense for the next five weeks, this weekend notwithstanding, because it's the Dolphins and it's going to be ugly, um, can, can help us answer that question for the next people to coach them. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And when we get back, uh, Linnell will sit down in studio with us and chat about his takes on the game in a little segment we call Overreaction Tuesday.